Another ridiculous week here in Phoenix Suns land as not one but two big reports come out. Setting the stage for what should be an insane offseason already is one. Aaron Edwards is here to recap everything. Close out the week here on Locked on Suns. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. are back. This is Lockdown Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past five seasons and a writer at Suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you for making Lockdown Suns your first listen today and every day. Closing out a very busy week here with more and more news coming out about the Suns. So hit subscribe, hit follow wherever you're listening. And if you're finding us on YouTube, that is and continues to be the best way to support the show. So hit subscribe write down below and drop a comment. Uh, just just give me a 1 to 10 scale of how insane you think it's actually going to be when we get to the transaction part of this whole offseason. Because right now it's just news and rumors and us all guessing. It's, it's only going to get crazier. So give me that 1 to 10 rating of how crazy it will end up being. Um, Aaron Edwards is here. He's a writer at All Caps NBA over on the Take Line YouTube channel. Aaron how are you doing with all of this NBA stuff? We're, we're, it feels like we're just getting our toes wet with, uh, with the insanity that this league gives us. Are you, are you excited for it? How are you feeling? Uh, it's been cool. Like, you know, when the season, when the playoffs start, it's like a game every day and the stories are kind of like low. I mean, there was some Zion stuff, but for the most part, the off the floor stuff doesn't really come up as much at the beginning of the playoffs but you can tell with the season dying down that the drama is starting now <laughs> and i love the nba offseason like the more stuff like since we are we're at all i'm at all caps like we get to talk about pretty much everything the more the more ridiculous it is the better but now we're getting into who's playing where and who wants to leave and free agency and stuff and that's kind of like one of my favorite parts of the nba i don't i don't know I do worry that like there's a part of it that can alienate some casual fans because you do have to be kind of up on it in order to keep up with it. But I mean, we all love it. I don't think it's possible to be like a big NBA fan if you hate it at this point because it's all just it's all just part of it. It's always been crazy to me though. This is unrelated to the Suns, obviously, but like how long the coaching stuff takes in the NBA is really weird because in other leagues it feels like it's like right off the bat you have like five coaches. Everybody gets fired at once. Like in the NFL, it's all in one day. And then by the end of that week, like three teams already have their coach. In the NBA, it's like, oh yeah, like this team still needs a coach. Or like the Jazz like got out of the playoffs a month ago. Now they're just now finding out they're going to have to do a search. It's very weird, yeah. but yeah, go ahead. I think when it comes to like basketball and football, like you can kind of wait to find a coach. Like it's still hooping at the end of the day. Everybody knows how to run motion. Everybody knows how to block out and do all this stuff. Like for the most part, you can get a coach late and you can plug them in. In the NFL, you're learning somebody's whole different scheme. You're learning a new defensive scheme. You're learning a whole new offensive lingo. Like, you got to do all that stuff. So that's why in the NFL, if you're waiting a long time to get a coach, like, your team is starting off way behind. NBA-wise, like, you can kind of wait to do a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I think, yeah. And and then the, the I mean, like, the NFL coaches are, like, pseudo 
like vice presidents of personnel, right? Like their their <laughs> their hands are on everything in the NBA. It's not really that way. Um, speaking of front office people and insane NBA rumors, we had John Hollinger at the Athletic, who used to be the GM of the Grizzlies, um, report sort of that he he quote he said quote it's more likely than not that Aiton leaves. He sort of hedged, and it was like this, I've been talking to more people, and here's the thing that I came up with. The funniest part to me, and I don't know if this, if this, was, if this hit you the same way, uh, he put it in a Pistons Q&A. Like, is this like okay. big bombshell news, and it's like, hold on, like you have to be on like the Detroit section of the athletic, and then you have to be like two questions in, and then it's like, Oh, the biggest free agent of the summer is probably going to leave. We'd, we'll just drop that nugget for you. It was it was weird, but what did you think of it? Um, I think like pretty much anybody could have done that at this point. Like it is fairly obvious Aiden isn't happy. <laughs> like it's just by not saying anything, you know, he's not happy. This has been the weirdest off season for the Suns because we got embarrassed and the team just disappeared, sort of. <laughs> like everybody yeah. just kind of just went under a rock. And it was just fairly obvious that there were problems. And Aiton just disappearing kind of told me all I needed to know. Like, he held on with the uncertainty of his contract the entire season. And for the most part, didn't cry about it and just kind of went on with his job. And he waited till those all those zeros hit the clock. And now he gets to feel his feelings. And he's probably going to do that now. <laughs> yeah, good thing he has a, a son. But... Uh... Yeah, let's hope he's getting some better sleep than he seemed to be during the season, if, if you catch my drift there. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this. Well, first of all, actually, I have something to say on that, because Book, this is one of those things where I feel like we, as like people who respect Book, sometimes want to pump him up to be a bigger star than he is, and like MVP stuff, there was a whole debate, and like he doesn't get respect and this and that. This is one of those times where... Book should probably be pretty glad that he doesn't get that level of scrutiny like the very biggest stars in this league because imagine if Kevin Durant lost in a game seven like that and then went on vacation with a Kardashian. Like, there is part of me that's like, he is he is skating. I'm not the type who's going to critique anybody on any of that anyway. I don't really even care or like think about it that much. But like Stephen A. Smith, those guys would be on him if... He mattered like that. He doesn't. And I, I feel like that's one way where it's a, a little benefit of you get to disappear when you're not LeBron James or Kevin Durant. Yeah. I mean, social media wise, like people forget that Kobe lost a game seven to Boston by like 40 points once. And we just didn't know what he did after. Yeah, he probably went to the gym. But yeah, if exactly. anybody saw Kobe like go to the Caribbean after losing a game seven in the finals by 40, like. Everybody, everybody has feelings about what players do and how they handle losses. I don't mind what he's doing. Like, Book is still 25 years old or something like that. So he's going to do 20-year-old oh, yeah. year old stuff. So, like, I'm not going to knock a dude from – I mean, he got blown out, and it was pretty embarrassing, but I'm not going to knock him for going out with a gorgeous woman. To, exactly. And to what's like hilarious is – <laughs> And what's hilarious is, like, even at the very top of it, like, people, you know, talking heads on ESPN or whatever, it's like, they're gonna, even if they did critique him, like, I swear to you that no matter the the level of quality of the last broadcast that Stephen A. Smith or 
Michael Wilbon are on in this season, they're going to be on vacation the next day too. Like <laughs> we don't go, eh, it wasn't his best broadcast. And now look at him. He's out on the, he's out on the sea on a, on a yacht or something like nobody cares. So uh, it is, it's just funny to me. I, I definitely don't, don't blame him. If I had access to the things that he does, I would not be doing this podcast. So like, look, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one to, to, to throw any shade. I do want to ask you this question on the topic of Aiton. I think you and I are on exactly the same page. That was really my whole show the day after that dropped was like, why is every report about this act so surprised? You know what I mean? It's like the dude's yelling at his coach during a game seven where he's trotting around the floor. He didn't get paid last year. He's never been like a perfect hand in glove fit. And then every time we hear news about this guy, it's like, I don't know, those sons might not want to pay him. It's like, yeah, what was your first clue there? But (laughs) my question is, um, what I, I haven't thought about it or talked about it from this angle. If Aiton could pick anywhere of the teams that are realistic, like, would actually want to trade for him or have cap space. A lot of the teams we've all been talking about, where would he want to go? Because a lot of this is about he doesn't feel like his role is what it should be. He doesn't feel like he gets to do everything he could do. Where would he want to go, do you think? I think, honestly, Detroit, a young point guard, like they're not going to be good. And I, I'm not sure if he like has that. And it's not like a character thing. I'm just not sure if he got the taste of the finals is like, I want to get back there that bad again. Like, I'm not sure if he's that type of person. If it's money and playing with someone fun and a young team and getting the ball and running a pick and roll with a younger point guard that he gets to kind of teach also since he's the older one, I think Detroit is probably going to be like the main spot. And it seems like they want him too. And he gets to be a leader on a team of his own, which is what it looks like. It's funny to imagine that he – gets to Detroit after maybe not getting along like perfectly with Monty. And then he gets Dwayne Casey, who's like the same exact dude. Like (laughs) they're just old school NBA guys, no nonsense, very like, you know, traditional types of guys. It seems like who just want to be stable, build a culture, this and that. And then it just feels like he's looking uh, Monty in the eyes again when he gets to Detroit. Mine was, uh, and this funny too, because it's on, it's the same exact thing again. Um, Atlanta. To me, and it's the same type of thing you're saying. I don't think he would be the guy there quite as much because that's very always going to be Trey's team and like Trey's city, and like there's no doubt about that. John Collins is already kind of seemingly not super comfortable with that whole situation. I'm not sure if it's always the best time to be Trey Young's teammate, just from what we've heard (laughs) and and some of that stuff. But like, talk about fun, you get to keep winning. There's not a ton of pressure on you because you're never going to have to be the best player, but you probably get to do a little more. I'm not sure, though. What do you think? Because I think with Cade, like you're saying, he plays off guys a little bit more. I feel like with a situation like Trey or like people have talked about Aiton to Dallas, I don't think that's happening now, though. Like, you're kind of just – it's another Chris Paul a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) that's my whole thing. It's like – he doesn't want to set screens and get the ball on somebody else's terms anymore is what it yeah. sounds like. He doesn't want that pace. He doesn't want to set high screens and hope he gets the ball anymore. And in a lot of these scenarios, that's what he's going to do. Like he's definitely going to do that in Dallas. He's definitely going to do that in Atlanta. Like Trey literally has to get bodies off of him sometimes. So I just yeah. don't see what his end game would be other than Detroit where yeah, they might clear out and let him get the ball at the top corner and see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the other places that are kind of not talked about a ton but could also be options like 
Portland or Charlotte. Those are also teams. I mean, the bottom line is, like, if you're a big man in the NBA in 2022, that's just what you do, period. So if he does want to prove that he can be more, I kind of feel like you might be right that he, he has to take a little bit of a step back in terms of winning and just go back. And it's kind of like what Jeremy Grant just did in Detroit, right? Where it's like, hey, I know my role on a great team is like this thing. I, it's shoot threes, defend LeBron, and play 30 minutes doing that. But like, I can do more, so I can't do that in Denver. I have to leave. I, I guess that's what it is. I don't know. It's easy for me to say that like that's not how I would handle it. A lot of us might think that. It's one thing to get that opportunity. I get why that's appealing. We'll have to see where he wants to go. Let's talk about the other oh. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Uh, no, I just I don't know what his what he wants his usage to be. Like as a big, like he's not a big that gets to the line, so he can't be in beats usage. Like he can't get worked like that. And he's not a passer like Jokic. So putting the ball in his hand and having him make decisions, like he can't do that either. And Jokic also gets to the line. So I don't know what he sees his high usage as. Like, I don't know what type of player he thinks with the ball in his hands he's going to be. I mean, we're back to the conversation from 2018. Like, this is this was the thing about him coming out of Arizona is like, okay, you know, you were that in college against – less competition you lost to buffalo in the first round like i get that you're you know like we can only judge him off of when he's done it i understand all the things about college basketball i'm not trying to say that's that i'm never going to change my opinion on him but like he had that opportunity for a year to show us what that looked like and it didn't work you know what i mean like he didn't dominate so it's like yeah what else what do you point to that rookie year with igor kakashkov like he was good he produced on good efficiency and he had the ball more in the post i think you could imagine growing from there, but like I just still don't necessarily know what the path is to being a on a him being a big part of a winning team that looks more like a team that he has the ball more. I mean, it's probably like some of those mid series games against the Pelicans where he was incredible and scoring in the posts and rebounding and defending. Um, but you know, we've we've really only seen that in bits and pieces. So we'll have to. Yeah, he stopped putting the ball on the floor immediately after that series. Like when he yeah. dribbles twice or three times, like he's really good. Will he do that consistently? I don't know. But if we do bring him back, I would like to see the Aiton that is comfortable putting the ball on the floor three or four times and showing that he can handle the ball. Yeah. Yep. Completely agree. Let's see what uh, what, what Aaron thinks about this COVID situation. I yelled about <laughs> it for 15 minutes yesterday. We'll see if uh, if our thoughts align. First of all, guys, today's show brought to you by Bet Online, the your number one source for all sports betting Info, stats, news, analysis, all of it to inform your betting throughout the sports calendar. We obviously have the basketball playoffs wrapping up. We have the WNBA season in full swing. The NHL finals are here. The baseball season still going. Fights every weekend, obviously. Tennis, golf in full swing now that it's the summer. No shortage of stuff to bet on, and Bet Online is the place to go to do it. Let's see what we have on NBA Finals MVP. I was looking at this earlier because I was like... Maybe Jalen Brown playing really well last night. I can get some good odds on Jason Tatum for MVP. Bet Online has him at minus 105. Best player on the best best player on the winning team. That's usually what it is. It would be a big upset if Jalen Brown got it, but I thought maybe things would sway. Steph Curry plus 210, though. That is pretty pretty nice. I mean, we're only three games into this thing. It could change in a in a hurry if Golden State wins. Plus 210 might be the best Steph Finals MVP odds you get unless the Warriors go down again in the series. Um, so just keep checking series props, 
see obviously who's going to win the finals. It's all there. Go to their website, betonline.ag, or use their mobile device to learn more about the latest trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Aaron, so I will, not, uh, I will not take the floor for too long here. I'll just recap for those who maybe missed it or didn't listen yesterday. Um, the Suns reportedly had a COVID outbreak that included six people, five, uh, I don't even know what the wording was, like behind-the-scenes staff or something, which is a really vague thing to say. And then one player, um, we probably can all deduce the likelier, likeliest person there, what did you think when you saw this come down? Um, how, how do you how will it affect your memory of what happened in that second round? Um, let me preface this by saying because I know how people's reactions, especially Dallas fans, this isn't why we lost, guys. <laughs> we just got our ass kicked, and that's really it. Like you outplayed us. I know that's what you want to hear. We lost because we got shook. Like we just Bridges make that said. the title of the episode. And- Yes, the Mavericks won fair and square or something like that's straight up all that. I'm honestly surprised at how many of them are still listening to this damn show. You don't like the team. Get off the freaking feed. Unsubscribe. I don't even care at this point. So, like, I just wanted to say that first. But also, like, it was very obvious that something was going on with this team. I still don't think it was just the COVID thing. I think it was a lot more than that. But this is, isn't surprising. Like, I was at the game, like, Arizona hasn't really been a model of COVID security. So somebody was probably going to get it at some point. So I wasn't really surprised. Like I was more surprised by everyone's reaction. Like it was what caused our ass whipping. Like I think it was strictly basketball and one of our players just out there running around and not doing anything. So that was probably my biggest takeaway from it. This is a part I didn't get into a ton. Do you think this is why the, I mean, we don't even know the extent of what actually happened, but there are those rumors that Monty and Chris had a little bit of a falling out. Do you think this had something to do with it? And if so, like, how, how does it factor into you? Like, was it that Monty was trying to tell Chris not to play? Were they arguing about how to handle it, whether to come, come out with it or hide it? Like, I don't know where I land, but I do think it obviously could have caused some friction. Um, I can see it maybe being an issue, but I think regardless of if he had it or not, schematic-wise, like, this was going to happen. He was giving up an easy switch to Luka every time, and he just couldn't handle guarding him that much. I don't think COVID was going to stop that from happening or beefing with the coach. I think at the end of the day, like, whether him and Monty had a problem or not, like, schematic-wise and personnel-wise, this was always going to happen, so it really – doesn't matter like what they're like he could have been better on offense though like if he if he wasn't if it is chris if it was chris who had it again i we don't know if it was chris who had it like i agree with you they were giving up like the way that they were playing defense was screwing him over and screwing the team over i don't know why they were doing that but offensively if he's you know 95 90 percent of himself even if we understand like he wears down anyway without getting COVID every year I feel like they're more competitive if they're scoring better. Like, he was a non-factor as a scorer, and I do think that could explain some of that. Again, not an excuse. I'll, I'll yeah. do something for Mavs fans that make them feel like I'm <laughs> being honest. But, like, I don't think it's an excuse, but I do think the offensive side could have been better. Yeah, I think the fact that he wasn't even a threat to shoot was just going to be an issue for any team. Like, you see what's happening to 
the Warriors right now. <laughs> Draymond is literally not a threat to shoot, and it just makes any team easier to defend. And I think that might have been one of the issues that Monty had with Chris was just the hurting the team was. Like, what's going on with you? Like, if you're out there doing nothing, then I can't do anything with that. And your backup is campaign, so that doesn't help anybody. I just think I that, love the that was idea probably- of him saying that to, to Chris. He just goes, <laughs> your backup is campaign, and there's nothing <laughs> else that needs to be said. It just it's understood. Yeah. yeah, so I just think, like, Monty just had zero options. Like, we've said this before, Chris, Chris Paul just hijacked the team. And when you have to play – you have to play him and you have to play at his uh, at his speed and his way. It's just, and he's not even doing the thing that he usually does. It's going to hurt the team regardless. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a mess. I, I this part is a little bit of the harder part to talk about, but it, I got into it with people about it. Like, how much do you how much does it frustrate you that the Suns were shady about it and, and like kept things under wraps? Does that bother you? Do you feel like they should get you know criticism for, for hiding this? I, I just the place that I come down is the NB, the NBA's policy was incredibly lax on purpose, as was the NFL's, and I just have a hard time believing that the Suns are the only team that had some guy coughing and didn't make him take a test. Yeah, we talked about this on all caps. It was like, Jason has this theory. I'll make, wait till it comes out tomorrow. But it's about certain players during the finals. If <laughs> it came out that they had COVID, would the NBA have stopped them from playing? And I just think the NBA was just not really caring at this year. I think if it happened in 2021, I think that it would have came out earlier. But this season, I think they kind of just decided to lax it a little bit and – yeah. just dropped the ball a couple of times. And it just seems like a lot more players miss games because of COVID. I mean, Paul George missed the play-in game. So I don't know where they were able to draw the line on who should get tested. And well, in that story, it said Paul George had like a pretty severe case. Like it was pretty <laughs> extreme. So I'm sure it got to the point where it's like, dude, like we can't, you can't be on the court. You're going to be like violently coughing and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, like... It, even in 2021, though, you had – didn't Thanasis get it? But we were yeah. just supposed to believe Giannis didn't get it, right? I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. he did or didn't, but – and then LeBron goes to that party, and we're all just like, <laughs> oh, it didn't fall under the NBA rules. Don't don't worry about it. Yeah. That's what Jason says, though. He thinks Giannis had it in 2021. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would have a hard time believing that he – any reasonable person who's making policies on this stuff would have said Giannis should quarantine, get pe- get tested, whatever. And they were like, no, you know, it was it was no big deal. But, but to answer your question, like, yeah, I think sitting on it for, what, a month now? <laughs> I think that's just a bad look in general. I think the league knew already. It wasn't like just the Suns knew. I think the league tried to sit on it. And something like that was always going to get out. A team lost by 40 and a bunch of people had COVID. Like, that was just always going to be one of those dots that people tried to connect I don't think it mattered. I think that was just an us losing thing. But I think the league saying it earlier would have at least just taken a little bit of the heat off. For sure. Let's close out here uh, talking a little bit about the draft where I guess Aaron will only be here one more time before the draft. We're only two less than two weeks out now. So we'll talk about the Suns getting younger. Just this idea that I, I've been stuck on and um, 
Does it make sense for the Suns to try to get in there? Does it make sense for them to invest in young talent at all, or should they just keep charging along with this with this window? First look, guys, today's show brought to you by Sakara. Now is the time to seek wellness, joy, and abundance in all areas of your life, starting with what you eat. With Sakara, you get nutrient-dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body without ever sacrificing taste or quality. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Sakara gives you the tools to transform your life with their organic ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door, ready to eat. Sakara's functional plant-rich wellness essentials help you create a body you love living in from their best-selling metabolism super powder to the foundation, their daily supplement packs. Sakara's products are designed to support your wellness goals anytime, anywhere. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash lockedon20 or enter code LOCKEDON20 at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash LOCKEDON20. All right, Aaron, so let me ask you this question first because a lot of people have been throwing out, not just like random people on the internet or like fans who are making trades up, but we had John Gamadoro locally and, and some other people that are throwing the idea of the Suns getting a pick in this year's draft back for DeAndre Ayton around. And that's not really legal. So do you think, <laughs> do you think that, like, is that something we should be taking seriously? Would you, how surprised would you be if the Suns orchestrated something like that, where part of the trade that they do on July 1st ends up being a guy who just got drafted this year? Because that's kind of the order it would have to happen in. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Like, I thought it would just be... I mean, I think we would get a pick for Aiton, but not this year. I think it's going to be player pick, sign a trade kind of thing. But I don't see us getting – and I don't know if we really want to. Like, it would be a late pick, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure if we want a late pick in this draft in particular. There are some good players, and there are some dudes that I really like. But I just don't see us pulling that off, especially for a dude that's kind of wants to leave. And, yeah, I know we can sign him and keep him if we want. But a dude that really wants to leave, I just don't think you're getting a pick this year anyway. How much, yeah, that's a good question. How much do you think the leverage has, like the balance of leverage has changed based on what we've heard with the Suns? I mean, this is not so much about the draft anymore. I have, a, I have another question for you about the draft, but we heard the more than likely thing from Hollinger. We have the Monty getting into it with, eight and stuff we have all these teams that are reportedly interested do you feel like the suns have more or less leverage than they did maybe like heading into the playoffs um i think leverage for any team now like with players this is player empowerment era so i'm not sure anybody really <laughs> any team ever really has leverage like zion set out this year and there was talk of him wanting uh, to renew his contract when he was still under his rookie deal like these players kind of can do whatever they want now. And that's where the next CBA is just going to be a problem. And I just believe, I think the Suns still technically have all the power because they can make them stay if they want. <laughs> they can yeah. pay them the most money still. And they can match whoever. But I just think when a dude really doesn't want to be here, that's just going to cause problems with a 37-year-old point guard who it doesn't seem like he likes all that much and a coach who he beats with on a game seven. Like, I just don't think... 
you want to keep him here, but I still think technically the Suns have all the power to keep him if they want to play that type of game and play hardball with him. Yeah, I, well, I'll just say I agree with you on the, the draft pick thing. I mean, I did throw around that, like, Clint Capella and 16 thing. I guess, yeah, I, I don't I don't see it. I was I was holding out hope that it could make some sense, but it would just be, it would be too fishy, and it it requires too many things to, like, perfectly line up and, and whatnot. It would, there would have to be conversation on the front end for it to work out. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, the thought of, like, oh, the Hawks just happened to draft a guy we really loved. Like, yeah, come on, yeah. that's not... That's not really realistic. I think the leverage thing, the one point I'll make on that is, uh, I agree with you. I mean, obviously, restricted free agency, the team always has that leverage. Um, in terms of trade, I don't think it's changed too much. I kind of feel, though, like the, 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 the point that's not getting enough attention there is I still think the Suns want get, to get it wrapped up, either figure out a sign-in trade like this month or give him a contract, you know, verbal agreement type of thing this month. Like, I don't think that they're going to wait for him to go get an offer and then just, like, have a bunch of meetings and decide if they're going to match. Because that also, I mean, one, that just wouldn't be very smart. It would be getting, like, caught off guard a lot. But it would also be they can't trade him for a year. If it gets to the point where they match, they can't trade him for a year. So that, that whole idea that a lot of people have been throwing out of, like, well, they could just keep him and then maybe trade him at next year's deadline. It's like, yes, but only if they sign him themselves now, um, which is another, that whole like kind of order of operation stuff is all, another part of why I keep thinking it is a real possibility that he doesn't stay. Because if you're saying either he goes and gets an offer and just stays with that team or they trade him or they sign him, I think they them signing him is the third most likely thing at this point. I just said, I don't think the, matching is is a super likely thing which means that you're you're left with the trade so um the other question i had for you on the draft side of things though is i asked this to to damon who came on the show yesterday do you think there's anybody outside of chris book ayton mikhail and cam johnson that's worth a first round pick on this team in a trade like just straight up no (laughs) okay because it could be jay crowder you could try to convince me that Landry Shamet was he was just worth the first last year in theory, right? But yeah, and then he played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But Jay, Jay's a no. You don't think they could get a first? No, for I'm, no, I don't think he's going to be here. But I don't think we're getting a first for him either. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a stack up and get get a player back for a combination of those guys. Then let me ask you this: How important do you think it is? There's probably going to be an eight and trade of, of talks around an eight and trade. They have these Sharit, Shamit, Crowder, contra- Cameron Payne contracts that they can try to put together. Maybe there'll be talks about Chris Paul. I don't know. Maybe there'll be talks about Cam Johnson. I don't know. How important is it in terms of like what your goals would be in those trades? Obviously you want to get good players back because you don't want to necessarily take a big step back in getting it toward a championship. But if everything else is equal, how big of a deal is it for you to try to get younger players in those deals versus older players? Because I'm way on the, like, reset a little bit, get guys in their mid-20s if you can, and, like, try to try to get back to the, the timeline of, of Book a little bit more. Yeah, I think, like, dude's closer to Book. Book is technically a vet now, so it's not like we need, like, a vet to, like, 
help this team yeah. win and like do all that stuff. Like having Chris Paul was nice, but sooner or later the body part just catches up. I think just having going a little younger and just getting ball handlers should just be the main goal of this team. Like I just think that was the issue in just getting ball handlers in around the mid twenties. I think that would be just a nice goal for the team. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it's just hard. I mean, the, like I, I can say that all, yeah. all day, but it's like, yeah, they're not growing on trees. Like yeah. <laughs> I know you're just not going to find one anywhere, but that has to be the goal. It was pretty noticeable that nobody could dribble by anybody. <laughs> like yeah. everybody, the, like it's out on this team. Now everybody knows what beats the Suns. I don't know if you saw the, this was also from John Hollinger and he, he does his like free agent rankings every year, use a bunch of numbers and, he does the thing I like about it is it's not just like one of those like Bleacher Report things or it's like some random person's opinion about whatever. It's like he tries to do a dollar value for each of them, so it's not so much ranking them like who he likes. It's who, mm-hmm. how much is each guy going to get paid? Colin Sexton, who I I understand the the good and bad of him, um, but he's never been on a he didn't get to play with the Cavs this year, so we've never really seen him on a competitive team before. He was valued by Hollinger's whole calculation at like eleven million dollars a year. I'm like, sign me up for that. Like, if the if the Suns <laughs> could perfect. the Suns could get him, I know he's a restricted free agent and they don't have cap space, so it would be some sort of weird sign and trade thing. But a player like that, I know I said Kobe White at one point. I think he is uh, probably similar in terms of like you know not a lot of high level interest in him. He's not going to yeah. be looking for like a max or something crazy. He, he's very gettable. Those types of guys is is a big place that I would be looking. Um, just. A little bit undervalued. You're counting on Monty to be able to put them in a good position to succeed, and you know, give you a little bit more juice. Somebody who has a more well-rounded game than Campaign. Um, yeah, I mean, again, that's they don't grow on trees, but whether it's the draft pick or something else, uh, I, I think that has to happen. But any last thoughts? As we, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be something insane for us to talk about next week, but. Um, yeah, nothing. I just, I'm just ready to see what we do with Chris Paul mostly. It's just all I can think about. I'm ready for one of these people to talk, like you said. Yeah. Like, can we get CP on, on JJ Reddick's podcast again or something? Like, yeah. even just getting Mikhail, oh, I was going to talk to you about the Mikhail thing. I, I, I meant to do that. Um, but like, even something like that, just give us 10 minutes explaining what the yeah. hell happened from their perspectives. Cause we haven't heard from, what from I'm hearing, since game seven. From what I'm hearing from someone close to the situation book is going to be on JJ Rex pod this summer. So I'm sure Hell he'll yeah. clear a lot of okay. stuff. <laughs> all right, cool. We'll get, uh, we'll get all the closure we need. There'll be a lot of Kobe talk there. Maybe he can make fun of Jason Tatum for uh, the weird things he's doing with his clothes, but uh, that'll close us out today, guys back next week. We'll see what happens a couple weeks out from the draft. Things are going to start to happen. About a week before the draft is when the trades start to come. So we only have a little bit longer. Enjoy your weekend. I'll see you guys Monday. A big thanks for making Lockdown Suns your first listen today and every day. Now, keep going with draft coverage. Listen to Lockdown NBA Big Board as your second listen heading into the weekend.